I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. This is a weekend update for the week ending Friday, June 14, 2019. We are looking at a chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. Everybody went out. I'm home alone. It's just me and the charts. Let's get busy. The first thing we'll address today is what happened at the end of the day. Not meaning into the end of the day yet, just what happened at the end of the day, which is Nothing. The S&P 500 was down less than five points. Took a little dip early in the morning. We're going to talk more about that because something did happen this morning that was telling and it is in concert with or should coincide with the important number of, and I know you're getting tired of hearing about this, but the important number of 289. Just looking at the daily chart, what's the quick takeaway? What's the first thing that comes to mind? A, they closed above 289. That's important. It's important to me anyway. The second thing I notice is we still haven't been rejected from 289. Now, here's the other thing. Let's take a look at what happened early in the day. Here's an hourly chart. We'll get back to this chart in a few moments. First, what we want to do is identify a gap. This one happens to come in at 288.36. Now, there's no guarantees that price is going to stop when it gets to a gap, reverse, and go back the other way. However, we want to know where they exist. We want to be able to identify that price area first thing in the morning if the market is falling close to or into that gap area. Here's a five-minute chart of the spiders, and I know this chart looks like a big EKG. So let's identify where we are. The vertical line on the screen represents the first five-minute candle of today's activity, meaning Friday's activity. What's the first thing you notice on this five-minute chart other than the fact that it's all over the place? The first thing I notice, only because we were talking about it and I was looking for it, is where's the gap? The gap never got filled. We discussed this quite a bit. When gaps aren't filled below, for example, that can be a sign of market strength or bullish behavior. When they miss gaps up above, at times it can be bearish behavior. Now, if price just meanders about very close to the gap, that's a different story. But if price trades away from the gap by missing the gap, that doesn't necessarily just tell us that they missed the gap. But it also gives us another arrow in the quiver, if you will, of information. Now things become more clear when we go up to a 10-minute chart. You can see how close price came to the gap. The low of the day happened to be 288.41. The gap was at 288.36. Some traders will say they filled the gap by coming inside the wick of the candle. The high of this candle is 288.43. That's not good enough for me. That gives me a different piece of information. Everybody can choose to look at the market however they want. For me, the gap is at 288.36. Let's switch gears for a second and talk about trader mindset and looking at a variety of different charts, but continuing to keep those front of mind. What was the thought process this morning? 
The thought process was, as the market was falling, they're going to fill the gap. They missed the gap by a little bit, but they really continued to meander back and forth on top of that gap. They make several attempts, so the market does look weak all morning long, no doubt about it. It's in the negative. It certainly had an opportunity to go lower, but they chose not to. That's item number one. So we have to keep that in mind. They're not going lower. Why are they not going lower? Well, last night, the futures got up over 2,900. Now, that by itself isn't a reason for anything, but in the back of my mind, I know that they made an attempt in the middle of the night. We're still hanging around the important number of 289. If the market didn't fall out of bed right out of the chute in the morning, what is going to bring it down on a Friday when the volume is increasingly getting lighter and lighter as the day goes on? We're fighting 289, and I know there are other charts out there that tell a different story than just a short-term chart first thing in the morning. This one can actually tell two stories, and we have to be able to see it both ways. We can see a bear flag pattern, and we can make a case that this is still a bear flag pattern. It's not the perfect flag pattern, but it still can certainly work out that way. We're aware of that. We're also aware, halfway down, we have what could be considered a bull flag pattern. So we have a pattern inside of another pattern. Does that help us or hurt us? Well, it certainly doesn't help us. It makes the picture unclear. So we have to move on and go to another chart. By the way, before we do, we'll notice that not only are we above 289, but we're also above all the moving averages on the hourly chart. That's not bearish, that's bullish. They were running some tests this morning, but you can see how price actually hugged the 20 period moving average and has been this entire time the last couple of days. 120 minute chart. Now we didn't do this on the last chart, we could have, but let's do something like this and say, well, isn't this a bull flag pattern that's simply just working time off the clock, building energy for another push higher. It could be. It doesn't have to be, but we have to be aware of it. We'll look at both sides. The other side of that is that this is a reversal candle, and this is a bear flag pattern that is doing the same thing in the opposite direction, setting up for a big trapdoor open lower, is driving a lot of traders up a wall. You know the email indicator? Here it is again. The inbox looks like a junkyard from traders who are short the market waiting for it to go down. And I can't emphasize enough that over the last several days, we've been saying they're not getting rejected at 289. It's interesting. Speaking of interesting, wait till next week. We have everybody and their brother anticipating some kind of action or information from the Fed. We have Kabuki Theater on deck next week. Here's a 240-minute chart, but let's get back to Kabuki Theater first. There's three scenarios, and I don't mean to be Captain Obvious, but let's go through the three scenarios. Scenario number one. The market continues to tread water leading up into the Fed announcement Wednesday afternoon, meaning we just continue to be centered around 289, give or take. Completely possible. 
Scenario number two, the market wants to make sure that the Fed is going to remain or at least continue with an accommodative policy stance. The market likes easy money. So in order to do that, and remember it's the tail wagging the dog, maybe they drive price down real quick for a couple of days just to remind the Fed of who's in charge, and then they'll end up hearing what they want to hear Wednesday afternoon. Completely possible. Scenario number three, the market melts up either leading into or right after the Fed announcement. Where does it melt up to? We'll get to that in a minute. Let's get back to the 240-minute chart because all of a sudden, I can see a much more clear picture of a bear flag pattern developing or developed on this 240-minute chart. Now, this would generally send price lower. However, we began discussing this last night. We also discuss this quite frequently. The problem with the bear or bull flag patterns is the risk, meaning a lot of times price likes to go challenge, in this case, the breakdown candle high. In the case of a bull flag pattern, they like to go test the breakup candle low. Now that takes the flag pattern off the table, but it doesn't necessarily change the bigger picture. What do we mean by that? Well, Let's say price came up to test the top of the breakdown candle. Well, the bear flag pattern is no longer intact, right? However, if in fact we're not able to close above here, price will still tend to be rejected in the downward direction. So it ends up having the same result, only the problem is when you try and short out of a bear flag pattern, you risk them running up to test the top of the breakdown candle In this particular case, you can see where that is. And technically speaking, the trade is not wrong until they close above the high of the breakdown candle. Let's discuss that a little further. What if, now keep in mind, we're going deep into the danger zone. You know where that is. What if this reversal candle wasn't there? And I know the first thing that comes to mind is, yeah, but it is there. I know, I can see it. But remember... Here's the daily chart, same reversal candle. Where's the institutional distribution on the reversal candle? We don't see heavy volume. We don't see heavy institutional distribution. We talked about it at the time. I said it was suspect. I'm still suspicious of that reversal candle. I'm not sold. It wasn't the trick, trap, fool, and frustrate guys at work. Maybe it's a little hard to envision it on the spider chart. But what about the futures chart? What does that look like? Now, some of you will say, and rightfully so, those of you that have taken the course at Lazy E-Mini Trader will say, but the market should have reversed. And under normal garden variety market conditions, you would be right. But we're not right 100% of the time. It's the 80-20 rule. We've been talking about the fact that the market hasn't been rejected from what should be an important price. Well, guess what? It turns out it is an important price, and instead of being rejected, the market is hanging around. What's it doing? It's above all the moving averages. It's building energy for another move higher. Can that be actually a failure and go the other way? Of course it can. Remember, it's not lost on me that this is a rodeo rally of 180 points in no time. But we have to deal with the market that we have in front of us. 
So all that being said, just as it relates to the spider charts that we just looked at, what do we do with that information? Well, from where I sit, there's really only two things we can do from here. Either the market's going to push higher, get above that breakdown candle high, and go higher. The question is, where would it go, and would it just keep going? The answer is, it would go to, at least from where I sit, in my estimation, it would go to test a little bit deeper into the 2900s, referring to the S&P 500 or the futures contract, something in the neighborhood of 2925, maybe 2930. That puts the spider chart at around 292, to 293 something up in that neighborhood could it be a little higher of course it can we'll certainly refine that from an intraday perspective for inside the numbers members what happens up there and of course that's if price gets up there for me it's a stone cold short where am i wrong above the old highs it's that simple 294 95 any close above the old highs and we're going higher I have those numbers too. And from where we are today, if we're going to break out to new highs, you're looking at another 150 S&P handles from where we sit today. Not necessarily all in one shot, but that's in the event we do get another melt-up. All right, let's move the ball around the horn a little bit and take a look at Camp IWM. What do we have? We have a market that had relative weakness against the SPY. So we had the exact opposite of what we had yesterday. Yesterday we had relative strength. Today we have relative weakness. This is the market's way of driving everybody bonkers. It seems directionless. And it doesn't just seem directionless. It is directionless over the last few days. This is the way the market wears everybody down to a little nub. We have yet to get into or even through the first of these moving averages above price in the IWM. Again, it's weakness. However, it's still essentially trapped in between those moving averages above and the 20 moving average below. The longer it's not rejected away from those moving averages, the more likely it's going to be to trade up into those moving averages. I almost forgot, I wanted to take a look at the weekly chart of some of the vehicles that we look at. And so here's the SPY weekly chart, and you can see we went nowhere all week long. That's the reason traders are frustrated. There were stocks certainly on the move this week, but in terms of the SPY, limited movement, very, very narrow range from weekly high to weekly low. Now, from a visual perspective, when you just look at the weekly chart, it's very easy to make a case that we're still in a very bullish market and all we had was a pullback in the midst of this uptrend and we're still going to much higher price. We can easily make that case. We have a tremendous weekly reversal candle from last week. And from a visual perspective, it certainly looks like the bulls are in good shape. I'm not buying the story. If that was such a heavy weekly reversal candle and we were going to rock it to new highs, how come we didn't have widespread institutional participation on the buy side? Where was the volume? We didn't even get to 
the average weekly volume of 415 million shares last week. Doesn't necessarily mean anything by itself. I'll believe new highs when I see them. I suspect it's the trick, trap, fool, and frustrate crew at work. Here's the weekly chart of the IWM, and here's my evidence, or at least one piece of evidence. If we're going to rally to new highs, why isn't the IWM A, participating, and B, leading the way? How about the VIX? We've been looking at the VIX just about on a daily basis. We're into the moving averages. You can see what's happening from a symmetrical standpoint. The VIX is doing exactly what it looked like it was going to do. Here again, they didn't close the gap. I find that interesting in the opposite direction from what we discussed before. So here's a gap, 1506, and today's low, I believe, I'm going to move the chart over, I believe was 1521. So we missed the gap by several pennies, got stuck at the convergence of these moving averages. Has the buy zone for the VIX changed at all? Not really. You never know exactly where it's going to wind up, but I would be interested in the VIX as it got into the mid, even low 14s, certainly low 14s. I don't know if it'll get there, but once it breaks 15, I start to get intrigued. Taking a stop down at the transportation department, we have a similar story that we just told from the IWM. Again, if in fact we're going to rally to new highs, why aren't the transports participating why aren't they at minimum of already fighting their way through these moving averages it doesn't make any sense i stay with the canary in the coal mines that work until they don't this is bearish the iwm is bearish that doesn't mean they can't have a spike higher in the market for a few more days it certainly can happen but until and unless the transports and the iwm begin looking like the other stuff, then this is the trick, trap, fool, and frustrate crew playing games. How about the cues? Anything doing in the cues? They don't give us any new information. The story is really the same as the spiders. It's no different. Everything is really going to trade as an all-the-same market type of scenario. If everything gets sucked up in a melt-up scenario, everything goes. If everything drops through the trap door, everything goes. By the way, weekly chart of the transports, same routine. Until and unless they can get above those averages, no dice. Weekly chart of the queues, still in an uptrend. Technically speaking, nothing wrong. If you're buying the bull case, looks like everything's going higher, party on. I understand the bull case, but they're going to have to show me. While we're on the weekly, we'll start there with the XLF, bullish. However, We did not close above the important number. And here's the number I was looking at. The high here is 27.47. We were rounding and say 27.50. They made an attempt earlier in the week, but failed. Failed to close above that important number. I would have looked at that and still would look at that in the future as another recapture. Here's the daily chart. Again, above all the moving averages, technically speaking, There's nothing wrong with the financials. And again, here was another canary in the coal mine. We've talked about this day after day after day. If the financials are not melting down, don't expect the market to fall out of bed. Yet, I still have people sending me emails screaming at me about the puts they have. 
How about the SMH? How's this for a leading indicator of the tech sector? 2.5% in the red today. Hey, you doing? So we had the bat out of hell rally, and now they've come down really about halfway home rather quickly. Now, there's always the possibility that this could be one of those ABC-type deals that run like this. However, that's a pretty deep B-leg, if you ask me. I'm somewhat biased because I've already seen the weekly chart, and here, at least from this week's standpoint, is a failure to break above and stay above that 20-period moving average. I think that's important. I think it's relevant. I'm not putting that aside. That's on the table. It's a puzzle piece. I think, and this is strictly my opinion, I think there's more to meets the eye than where price failed at this week. Look at all this stuff. So price spent a lot of time going back and forth, back and forth. Then it failed. Then we had a breakout. Now here we are. All of a sudden, where did we fail this week? In fact, let me clean up the chart and we'll do it this way. It's more accurate. Where did we fail this week? We failed around that same area. We're failing to get back up above the point in which we had a failed breakout from. I look at that my way, and my way says that's important, and until and unless we can get back above 108.5, 109, even back into the 108s, then this is considered a failure in my book. Now, I don't want you to think that it's only one price that's important. This is a channel, and obviously, you can see where price traded in this channel, got below and back above, We're still in this channel, but look what's going on here. We're either going to get back above this channel or price is going to break down below this channel, and that is not good for the bullish case. So my point here is price made an attempt this week to break up to at least the top end and out of that channel was unable to do so. That's bearish. It's a puzzle piece. It's on the table. Who wants to talk about crude oil. Here's the CL contract. It's the crude oil continuous contract, contract month, July. Bullish or bearish? It's bearish. It's below all the moving averages. Price is actually just going back and forth, meandering back and forth, essentially in a bear flag pattern. We talked about this all day. Talked about bull flag patterns, bear flag patterns. Here's another one for you. What's going to happen here? Likely story is it's going to play out like this and have a trap door open down to 48, 47, maybe even as low as 45. That's a little premature, but ultimately it should get there. We'll get back to that in a second. What's the bullish case for crude oil? Well, it's pretty obvious. You've got to get first back above 54 to get any mustard in the jar whatsoever. Let's take it from a different perspective. Here's a weekly chart of crude oil. Is this bullish or bearish? It's still bearish. What's been going on over an extended period of time? Is this essentially a bearish wedge pattern that is now completing to the downside, most likely below these lows here, or at least come down to test those lows? Yeah, that's pretty much what's been going on. When you look at a long-term chart of crude oil, a big staple across the energy sector, it's a leading indicator. 
it's a leading indicator of either a really, really healthy, growing global economy, or it's not. The S&P 500 is nearing its all-time highs. The IWM is telling a different story. The transports are telling a different story. The XLF, no problem. The SMH, the semiconductor space, which is a leading indicator of the tech space, a different story. The Qs look fine, but they're top-heavy weighted in five, six, seven stocks. The semiconductors are a leading indicator. Gold's going higher. Why is gold going higher? Because the Fed's going to have an easy money policy? Yeah, maybe so, but I look at it differently. I think you have a sniff of the fear trade brewing. Whether that's true or not, not for me to say, but gold has run higher for a reason. Personally, I don't care what the reason is, but what I do care about is that other traders think there's a reason, therefore they take action. We can take advantage of other people's actions in the market. That's what the market is all about. And that, my friends, looks like a pretty good place to pull the ripcord. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app, and please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is Common Sense Market Analysis.